I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Oh my gosh. For me, that is a 1980s anthem. Really? Oh my God. I yeah. mean, I can see. I mean, it's getting me kind of jazzed up here. Had the uh, had the CD, had everything. Um, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. In the fraternity house. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. You had the CD? CD? Yes, yes. Well, it was in the 80s, man. You mean you mean the cassette tape? No, yeah, it was the CD. cassette tape. No, 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 no it was a CD. No. Yeah, for sure. You're like 86. I think you're already getting 86. Yes. There was not a compact disc player in 86. 87. 87. It was right around that time. I I bought the CD. Did you take your selenium today in Centrum Silver? No. Well, clearly that's why. Yes. Let's find out when the CD was Anyway, Maybe it's because I can't remember half of my college days. That's probably correct. It might have been 88. I don't freaking know. I was on the five-year plan. Tommy boy. Oh, man. Huge week coming up for the Geoholics. Uh, all Things Dimensions next week. Oh, it's going to be a yeah. crazy week. In Vegas for Trimble Dimensions Conference. Uh, global, global conference. What's going on? What'd you find? Fact check? October 1st, 1982. But yeah, but that was like... own it till 1987. Who's the dummy now? Yeah, let's yeah. be realistic. In, in middle of nowhere, Illinois, there was not a <laughs> uh, hot market Southern for... Illinois. <laughs> Mind you. Uh, Saluki. <laughs> yes, this guy knows. I love it. I love our guest already. Um, yes, so big week next week. Huge. Huge week, week is packed full of interviews. Mm-hmm. We'll be on already. site, location. Happy There's hours. All, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Wine tasting. Midget throwing. I'll see you there for the midget throwing. <laughs> and for the podcasting. It's going to be tons of fun. So, yeah, so I'll be there. Producer Sean will be there. Peter Cox will be there. Oh. And uh, Mr. Mark Taylor will be there, at least for a day or two, right? Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, leave Thursday morning. Fantastic. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Um, so if you are at, let's see, this will come out on Monday. If you are attending Trimble Dimensions, uh, make sure to stop by and see us. We're going to be recording all three days. Tons of swag to give away, and uh, it's just going to be a great time. Stop by and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. still auctioning off the ticket for a date with the DILF? Um, no. No. Okay. No, that, that got taken off the table, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. And could have made a lot of money for charity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you don't know already. goes a long way. <laughs> it does, yes. Our, uh, our cast this evening, of course, includes myself, producer Sean, and Mr. Mark Taylor. Mark, it's good to see you. It's been uh, been a bit since you've uh, co-hosted with us. Yeah, it has. I was starting to feel like I was, uh, you know. Oh. Uh, you know. Yes, I'm, I, you know, I'm a pleaser, so I was feeling a little So when better. you start feeling that way next time, just take an extra shot of testosterone. Okay, so I'm going to steal your supply? No, you can't have mine, man. Uh, Thanks to you, I am a new man, though. Well, I appreciate that. You've changed my life with your advice. That one time. That one time. The only time. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for that, Kent. All right. You've emasculated me yet again. Tell us about that opening number, Sean. Um, All right. Well, I don't know a whole lot about Yaz, so I'm interested to learn as well. That was a song called Don't Go. 35 years ago, a band called Yazoo... Yaz in the U.S. for legal reasons. And honestly, I did not know that until I okay. cut and pasted this from Wikipedia. All right, all right. I only knew him as Yaz. All right. Well, Yaz released their debut single, Only You, 35 years ago. Yaz consisted of Allison Alf Moet 
on vocals and Vince Clark on synthesizer. The band formed in the late 1981, and Clark replied to an advertisement Moet posted in Melody Maker looking for a rootsy blues band. I did not hear rootsy blues band just now, but <laughs> I'll go with it. Yazoo en- enjoyed worldwide success, particularly in their home country, where three of their four singles reached the top three of the UK singles chart, and both their albums made the top two of the UK albums chart. And I'm telling you, I wore that CD out, whether you want to believe it or not. I think I still think it was a tape, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we're in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio, as usual. Um, TK, uh, we'll see a lot of him next week in Vegas, which is going to be a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Get to catch up with him. And I got to say, his... His level of generosity is unmatched. Oh, man. You got to tell him the, yeah, about today, right? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, you know, I, our, our secretary comes up to, or comes to our office yesterday or day before yesterday. He's like, hey, uh, delivery for you from uh, Tranquinan. So I go up to the front and there's three boxes of get kids into survey swag. I'm like, hey, do you have any of that stuff? We have a couple, uh, you know, things coming up where we can give it away. And he just, three boxes is just amazing stuff. So it's super cool of him to send that. Uh, he sent us a box of the Diamondback Land Surveying uh, NASCAR cars. Oh, nice. Diecast, super mm-hmm. cool. I need to get you one of those, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah. Um, and he offered up passes to the NASCAR race this weekend because he is sponsoring a car, of course. And oh, that's right. He can't be here because of triple dimensions. Right. So he had some pit passes available and offered them up. And I was like, oh, man, I would go. But I'm having a medical procedure on Friday. We'll skip the details on that. That uh, may prevent me from going to the NASCAR <laughs> race on Saturday. Um, details to follow. Details to follow. I can't wait. (laughs) Just for the audience, I've been told by the censorship lead that I'm not allowed to comment. Use your your imagination. Yes. Yes. That's where it's going. Not specific references to orifices, just... Um, we'll leave it at that. I thought orifices was the word that was not allowed to be used. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Oh, it is. Okay. 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 Yeah. Exit yeah. only. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Exit only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, really looking forward to uh, catching up with Trent next week at Dimensions. Um, Producer Sean, do you have... Of course I do. I do have a lock of the week. I love this name, by the way, because the degenerate lock of the week pick has, uh, Mm -hmm. I think I've gotten two out of, I think we're up to two and seven, two and six, maybe. Uh, And you owe me 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand that. Because I bet on your lock last week and it it didn't come to fruition. Do I have to say the disclaimer again? This is (laughs) for entertainment purposes. Uh, Please, you know, wager responsibly and I am not responsible for terrible picks, which obviously I am good at. Uh, yes, uh, that was Monday night, Halloween night. Uh, I thought that the Bengals would do a lot more against the Browns, and they got worked. Mm. Uh, it was not <laughs> even brutal. close. Uh, but it just goes to show when you look at a line and guys like me that are the suckers for Vegas, if I think, man, that doesn't sound right, they have me in mind. So bet the opposite. So with that, I am changing up the uh, the – Traditionally, I would look at the Monday night game this week, Baltimore at New Orleans. Mm. New Orleans has only given up two and a half points. I'm like, man, New Orleans is terrible. Yep. The Ravens are going to go through them. Yep. However, going to learn my lesson. Mm. I say, take, this, take the Saints and those two and a half <laughs> points. It sounds like a terrible idea, but given my track record, if everything's been wrong, start to go opposite. I love it. I love it. I did... Place a wager on something that I never knew existed. You can 
pick who's going to win the first half, who's going to win the second half. So with the the Cardinals game, I, of course, went Minnesota, Minnesota, and it, it paid off handsomely, I got to tell you. Ah, okay. Yeah. And uh, just, to, just to let everyone know, uh, moving forward in the next few weeks, probably next week, uh, depending on hmm. how, how the, the – the conference goes and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, the World Cup is coming up very, very mm, soon, so yeah. I got to start putting in some locks and some some betting fun on that. I mean, you know, I'm an American, so at plus a million, you got to throw at least two dollars on the U.S. to make, <laughs> uh, you know, make the round of four, or the final four, or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. We'll take a look at it next week, and before they start, that'll instead of the Monday night game, we'll get into some nice. some uh, different. Sport, I love it. So. I love it. Don't know the first thing about it. But uh, I'm willing to learn. I mean, I'm telling you, the the most successful sport I've had gambling, Russian badminton. Ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You should start with darts. Uh, dog racing. No, darts. Uh, darts, yeah. I've been on darts before, as a matter of fact, because sometimes, like, in the middle of the night, that's the only thing that's on. It's I'm like telling darts, you, you yeah. got to look at what's popular on the opposite side of the globe mm. and, uh, you know, kind of go with it. So, Because yeah. we know it's not curling. It is not curling. Mm. No, no, not right now. And I haven't not figured right out now. how to bet on cricket yet, so. <laughs> yeah. Good that's luck. a game I just do not understand. I can explain it to you in five seconds. Yeah. You throw it, you hit the stick, and... Something about back and forth, and okay. it goes on for a long time. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, anyway. Okay, moving on. Uh, time for this week's Liquid Death's Job of the Week. This one comes from our good friends at RLF Consulting. They are an established forward-thinking land surveying and mapping firm dedicated to providing quality and dependable professional surveying through technological solutions. That's a mouthful. But they are located right here in Arizona, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? They are looking for a survey analyst, they're calling it. I kind of like that. Kind of like that. This candidate uh, must have a minimum of two years' experience preparing survey drawings in CAD, demonstrate sound judgment with technical and professional competence in surveying. They must be able to plan, organize, and prepare finished survey drawings, including but not limited to Alta NSPS land title surveys, topographic surveys, surface modeling, final plats, legal descriptions, and other technical drawings. Uh, They must be able to work in a fast-paced team environment. Uh, Not only does RLF offer excellent salary and PTO, biannual bonus, uh, excellent health insurance that includes medical, dental, vision, and life, uh, and also 401k with matching and additional profit sharing plan. To find out more, go to rlfconsulting.com and be sure to mention you heard about it on the Geoholics. Wow. That was a long one. It was. I should have shortened that, but anyways, hopefully they get some good candidates out of that. (laughs) 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 Oh, everything's fixable, right, Sean? Absolutely. All right. Our guest this evening, JJ. Uh, Real quick. Yes. Um, Oh, boy. What we didn't say was the milestone of today's episode oh you're right let's back up a little bit it is episode 150 150 150 episodes wow cheers to that cheers, cheers to, to that, that. Chink, chink. yeah chink chink well done chink, guys right. yeah yeah that's big that is big that is big and we um, have two listeners now and thanks to everybody for thanks mm. to those two people that are listening yeah exactly. i really appreciate yeah. that <laughs> no what are the downloads now uh like a hundred Right near yeah. 100,000. Yeah, yeah. We're wow. at like 99 or 98 something, something, yeah. something close to 100. Yeah. We'll hit 100,000 before the end of the year. Beautiful. For sure. Yeah, Congrats, guys. You deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a, been a fun ride. Um, and yeah, thanks to everybody for listening and our, our uh, friends of the program and everybody else that supported us along the way. Couldn't have done it without them. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. 
Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elves, Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. A lot of hubbub has been made recently about the development of what is called quantum computing. If you're unsure of what quantum computing is, you're listening to the right nerd. IBM defines quantum computing as a rapidly emerging technology that harnesses the law of quantum mechanics to solve problems too complex for classical computers. Right, makes sense to you? Maybe not. Let's dive in a little further. To understand quantum computing, you need to understand quantum mechanics. Simply put, quantum mechanics studies life at the scale of atomic and subatomic particles. Modeling and understanding these particles is extremely difficult because of their size, interaction complexity, and sheer number. Using advanced theories and concepts similar to understanding atoms, quantum computing leverages radical methods to solve extremely complicated problems of vast size and dimension. Imagine you have a classical supercomputer that is trying to fold strings of proteins, aka amino acids. Proteins, when folded into complex shapes, become useful biological machines. A chain of roughly 100 proteins could theoretically fold in a trillion ways. No computer today has the working memory to handle the computations necessary to truly model all the protein possibilities. Thus, larger patterns in the data are hard to find. By leveraging multidimensional spaces, where patterns link individual points together, quantum computing looks at the protein problem differently. This new system is no longer linear in nature, but now able to leverage complex patterns for insight. Think of it this way. A quantum computer would potentially be able to break the most complex locks, codes, and sequences known to humanity. No question would be unanswerable, no lock unopenable. Scary and exciting stuff to say the least. Just remember, with this type of power comes great responsibility, and don't worry, we haven't developed it yet. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Okay, now our guest this evening, J.J. Levinsky. Good job. Got that? Yeah, nice. Before Considering further, the spelling sucks. Before yeah. we go further, what does the J and the J stand for? Well, <laughs> there's a formal answer and an informal answer. Okay. So, James Jeffrey. Okay. Now, can I tell a nasty yes. joke? Yes. So, back in the Midwest as a college kid, I was a bartender and server at a fairly... Different high-end restaurants while I was going to college. Yeah. And so when I got that question, I'd be like, hey, if you get the answer, I'll copy a drink or do something else. Now, you know, I'm a pervert uh, college kid. Mm-hmm. The answer back then was Jism Jackson. <laughs> 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 I'll, let you, I'll let you fill in the rest. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. All right, so JJ here was born in Minnesota, grew up in western Wisconsin. We're about... Uh, small town of Durand, just south of Eau Claire. Oh, okay. South so, of Eau Claire, yeah. Dairyland, Rolling Hills, just, yep. you know, 45 minutes to an hour east of Minneapolis. Gotcha. My uh, grandparents had a place up in Minog. Oh, yeah. That was 
Like uh, on the, the way everyone that was where everyone went up north yep. to the cabins and yep. everything. Minog flowage up there. Uh, Jack did, Jack Links. Oh, sucks. love Jack All Links. The, Huge from Minog, as a matter yep. of fact. Yeah, that's their, two old brothers that are. Well, let's just say that family's. I think they're set. Oh, jeez. I don't think yeah. they need to worry about money anymore. No. We just did a, a shoot for them. Really? I'm going to post the. They took over a Jerky Butte. And there, it's an orientation course. It's about two miles where the mm. whole executive committee come out. Yep. And they have a race. And there's rattlesnakes. And they're running through cacti and brush. And they go all the way up. So we filmed it from the ground and from the air. Wow. And these guys are so passionate about uh, getting the puzzles and the orienteering to make the jigsaw work. And then they get prizes. But it's all about team building. And th- they say that they don't probably a little out, out of school to say this, but they, the amount of money that they spend on it is immediately seen in the work performance when they get back. Must be uh, the rattlesnakes. Yeah, there were a couple of guys. And, I mean, they're running right across the edge of uh, a bluff. Wow, interesting. Not fun. Yeah. But, yeah, so those guys have got their game together. Good stuff, good stuff. So you attended a University of Wisconsin Stout in Menominee, yep. if I remember right. My yep. aunt and uncle attended Stout. I've actually been on that campus before. They're still alive to talk about it? They're not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that could, I'm just saying the alcohol consumption yeah. was a little high, so yeah. there, there might have been a, yeah. a yeah. precedence. Good time for sure. But you got your degree in construction management. Yep. Um, the mascot is? Blue Devil. Blue Devil. So the all the football games, it's running with the devil. Genius, genius. Also attended University of St. Thomas. Was that by Minneapolis? It's in Minneapolis. Yeah. Outside of Minneapolis? No, it's right. It's right in there. In it there? was okay. It was. Uh, long story short, was you know you typically have the University of Minnesota. Everyone knows the Gophers, mm-hmm. but University of St. Thomas was the private Catholic school. But they had decommissioned that a long time ago, and really, I think is about the what the nineties. They really took off as a, a, a competitor to the University of Minnesota, especially on like all the business wow. school and things like that. Many of you might know, if we're all in the construction space, Opus. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Opus was had huge philanthropic ties to St. Thomas. So Opus, the construction company, literally built out their whole campus. Wow. So everything that's named on that campus has affiliations to the Opus company. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And their mascot? Tommy's. Tommy's, yep. Yep, found that out today. Had no idea. Uh, JJ's hobbies include golfing, hunting, camping, traveling, and anything outdoors. He is the CEO, aptly named Chief Envelope Opener, and the ambassador <laughs> of Quan for Blue Wave. We're going to learn a little bit more about Blue Wave here in just a minute. Yep. He is passionate about finding the solutions to problems before they happen instead of being risk averse. Finding the risk, identifying it, and monetizing that solution. Not everyone likes that honesty and transparency, unfortunately. Sean does. Okay. Yes, you guys absolutely. are getting along just great. Love yeah, that. Anyways, JJ, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks for thanks for having me. Here. Yeah, excited awesome. to be with you guys. Yeah, so we got a. Uh, we usually do the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker now. Oh, so that question this evening is: How do you define success? Beating Mark by barely a smidge. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your hundred bucks. There, there, you go. there you I go. set nice the bar point. really low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About the, just above an abima. Um, <laughs> it's not an easy question to answer. No, no, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, it's, uh, and that might be part of so the part of the point. I have no problem. You know, I'll get as because re- we host a podcast as well. But the, um, I love getting real when we get older, right? We can have humility and things. Yeah. 
up until last year, I would, you know, the typical answer would have been like, Oh, what are we doing as a company? How am I, you know, mm. all, all that's kind of, all that changed for me last year. No, I didn't have a near death experience, but I was able mm. to go through kind of one of those life altering moments of where you kind of gain traction of who you are as a person and what, why you were put on the planet. Sure. So to answer that question more succinctly is success to me is now living to my full potential. Love it. Ah. And goes a lot deeper than that, but that is the summary. Yep. And and w- once I was able to finally real- realize that again, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty profound. So just to kind of go quick summary, so maybe gives other listeners encouragement, is they prove that most of us live in our untruths based on our traumas. Now, traumas aren't like... Can you say a, that again? Most of us live in our untruths based on our traumas. Okay. What it usually does is it takes our strengths and turns them into our own weakness. Mm. So, for instance, mine was, I'm kind of on the spectrum. Right, like I've I've got a mild form of Asperger's where I can see shit that most people can't. So it allowed me to be very successful in construction. That also was my biggest weakness because I used to get frustrated of why can't you minions see what I can see? Mm. And so I had a very low patience, of low tolerance, and I wanted to go 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 go. And so I would build that um, that whole paradigm of build it up to destroy it to then make myself relevant. Kind of the fireman syndrome, right? Mm. So. Only last year I finally realized, wow, I've been living a lie to myself. So back to this, again, for listeners, is is once you know your true truths, then you can go back to on your true north. So I know it's deep, but I love it. that was a, uh, and even my wife uh, the other night, she said, hey, I want you to come back to where you were in January when you came back from, from finding that out. Mm. So we all tend to go back to our untruths because that, that that's easy, right? It's like the path of least resistance. Thank you. Yeah. So- yeah, great question, and, and I enjoy the answer. I, th- yeah, I think great it, answer. Yeah, Sean, do you care to chime in on that? Did you just say you enjoyed your own answer? Because I mean, I did like your answer. It's fantastic just, answer. Well, what it does is it grounds you. Like when yeah. you, when you, when I'm forced to repeat it, it makes me feel better that yeah, I can I can go do this again. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yep. How about you, Sean? Oh, oh, how do I define success? Yeah. I am not passing on this question, but it is something that I have not figured out yet. Interesting. I I think the answer to that question is something that will help me professionally and and in life and per- personally and everything. And I have personally struggled with the answer to it. And I am actively trying to figure it out. That's a great answer. Um, I can be honest, but I yeah. think one of my biggest faults and flaws right now is that I don't know how to celebrate my own success. Mm. And I don't know what success looks like for myself, yeah. so I keep striving for there to the road to nowhere. When yeah. and along the way, I might have fun, but I I don't know yet. And I I'm gonna think about probably re-listen to what JJ just said, but yeah. it I, I'm I'm trying to get there. I'm gonna recommend something. Okay. Um, shameless shameless plug. I had a, a an hour conversation with our good friend Michael Bowman earlier this week. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And what he and I accomplished in just an hour's time was incredible. And one of the things he said to me was that, you know, based on your answers and the tone of your voice and this and that, you you make it hard on yourself to accept your successes. Like it's never good enough. And you're constantly pushing. It's never good enough. You're, you know, so you, you do this, this circle and you're just constantly chasing something that isn't maybe there as a result of that. When you say but you, you're talking, Michael is saying that to you to me, personally. To me, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because like, we're not, I, I find it that I just not ever satisfied. Like there's 
more. There's more that I can do. You know, that's great, but there's something else. What's next? You know, so. But in tune, don't you then? You don't get to appreciate your own success because you just did something phenomenal. Hundred percent. Well, you know, could have done that too, and then that's all you think about. Yep, that's all I think about. Yep, for sure, for sure. How about you, Mark? Um, it's it's a really big question to answer. It is a big question. uh, Unfair, almost. You know, I think it helps us all focus as as humans, and it's something we should have written down on the wall or something just to remind ourselves. Mm -hmm. But for me, when I was a mortgage banker, uh, success was ego fulfilled by mm. how big is my checking account? How big are my commissions? What cars am I driving? What restaurants am I at? And then when I retired and I sat down and said, you know, I have to have simpatico with the people that I work with. I put up with so much crap from people that didn't have my W2, let alone my intellect. And I was going through this whole ego fulfillment of what makes Mark tick. Today, my success is, um, for me, I look at my success based on the amount of effort I put into a project to know that I've given it my all and that I want to please someone and that they appreciate it. I'm not looking for a pat on the back as an attaboy. Yep. What I'm looking for is the acknowledgement that I've done everything in my power for that person, that company. And guess what? <coughs> the checking account is automatically full anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So th- that. Uh, that's me. I, if I don't give it all and I can't wake up in the morning, look myself in the mirror and go, yeah, I really put 110% into it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not being, I was, that was not a successful day. Every day for me has to have some form of success. Yep. Yep. For sure. Kent, if I can, yep. one of the other takeaways, and these are two words that I, I think Mark can, can live and breathe by. And I think it's in a lot of us. I can just hear you guys and, and tell that a lot of successful people, those are air quotes, Mm-hmm. The two words are compassionate connection. Okay, yeah. so if you have a compassionate drive within you about something and you're connecting usually people, human capital, philanthropic, you know, philanthropic type things, yep. that compassionate connection, you're right. The checkbook is always full after that. Absolutely. Yeah. Those deposits will outstrip oh, everything. everything. Absolutely. So, we were, yeah, we had a, uh, a manager's meeting yesterday and we were talking about the importance of, you know, being involved philanthropically and how rewarding that is and how it builds camaraderie within a workplace and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the things is, and it kind of goes along with that. It's like, if the people are, if I am doing something to like make the people in my inner circle happy, I feel like, um, you win. I'm a success, Yeah, you know, but then it's like, I put people ahead of myself, you know, that's good. That's bad. What would Michael Bowman say about that? Just that. He's yeah. like, he's like, Kent, you need to think of yourself more. Yeah. He's like, that's great. You know, that's a great trait and everything, but you're at the point of, you know, you're at the age or at the point of your career that you need to be able to, um, you know, accept when you've done something really well, you know, don't, don't put it off to the side. And, uh, and yeah, and it, it's perfectly healthy, healthy to look for that, that next challenge, that next big thing. But you also have to, you know, take, take credit for, you know, things that you have accomplished. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think just, you know, as long as the people around me are happy, I feel like I've done something okay. Oh man, we're deep already into this. Might have to change course. Uh, okay, let's get to know JJ here just a little bit. Really? The, this was getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to, um, I'll have to keep the spark up. There you go. There you go. So, um, well, tell us real quick about Blue Wave and what, and what you really do there besides opening envelopes. Um, yeah, uh, try to give the readers digest version. Yep. Um, so I moved to the Valley about 10 years ago. 
Uh, first three years uh, down here, I was just doing kind of roll-up M&A work in the construction space, not by strategy, just by default. And then I was fortunate enough to meet two guys um, in the Southeast Valley. They had a company called School Builder, and it wasn't yet a vertical company. It was just doing front-end entitlement, you know, land deals, and on the backside, other things. So came in, um, that was t- exactly six years ago to about right now. And at that, like I said, at that time it was called School Builder. So I basically became the general contractor to take that vertical. We built charter schools, imagine that, hence the name. Mm-hmm. We slowly pivoted to the name Blue Wave, which came from the, uh, it was derived from the book Blue Ocean Strategy because we wanted to be in other verticals other than just charter yeah. schools. And again, CHOPS, if you guys want to find out what the meaning of, of Blue Wave is and why Blue Ocean Strategy, read the book or read the preface. It's it's basically, uh, I give the, the, the other version of it, the elevator pitch of, think if you could if you could give a client four things versus three things against your competitor and monetize mm-hmm. it in the same way, that's Blue Ocean Strategy. And that's, the, hence the Blue Wave mm-hmm. name. So my, my MO and my impetus for the company with my partners was, let's go give world-class service. Let's look like we're a behemoth in what we do, but yet I want a boutique delivery and keep it very small, not small, still want growth, but I want it to be, um, you know, something impactful to the employees, to the clients. Let's not be transactional. Let's build relationships, Mm. all the old cliches that you want to live by. But yet I had done another startup back in Minnesota before I moved here. And we, we've pulled this off once before in a slightly different business model. And I vowed that I would never go back to corporate America or, you know, anything that was outside an entrepreneurial type platform. Mm-hmm. So hence Blue Wave. Now, <clears throat> so now getting back to kind of current state, as we look at Blue Wave, yes, we made a mark on building charter schools around Arizona. And then we just start branching into other verticals and things like that. So now we still operate in a boutique manner, but we've started to gain, as, and that's how I met Mark, is we started to gain uh, much bigger projects in the valley and and a higher exposure and things like that. So we are a full service commercial general contracting company. We also have a um, electrical HVAC and plumbing division that we just started this past year along with a handyman division. And truth be told, it was it was started so that we could have a blended EBITDA and a higher enterprise value for whatever we're looking for to give back to either our employees, ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, building our balance sheet, right? And because, you know, for all of you out there, general contracting is not as profitable as everyone thinks, right? So that, that, that blended mix was something very important to us because I wanted to be able to give back to our employees, our equity structure, all those kind of things. And so that's, that's really kind of what it's all about. So I'm very proud. We have a wonderful team. Um, we're not huge. I think with, with all the divisions right now, we're just under 30 people. Oh, wow. And in mm. five to six years, um, you know, as far as the top line revenue, we've we started with literally nothing and a laptop and me to, you know, we're in the, we're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. Um, and you know, one of our key projects, I, I, I won't, it won't be fair without mentioning it is we were able to do the, the we're currently working on it. It's the Cannon beach surf park in, in Mesa, which is, you know, one of the top 15 projects in the Valley, yeah. both from exposure, from the value, from all those kind of things. And, and I take pride that we, we beat a lot of the national contractors to, to gain, retain and keep working on that project. So why do you, why do you think that is other than the name? 
Yeah, yeah that right, yeah. that we get that. It's, <laughs> thank you, Sean. We get that question all the time. Of was it strategic? I'm like, no. That that you talk about gambling, pure, pure luck, right? <laughs> well, yeah. What was the over under on that one? Right? Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. that's the plus a hundred thousand odds, and you throw a nickel on it. So we it we, we get that we get that all the time. That you know, blue wave and the Cannon Beach Surf Park. Right? Mm. I'm like, no, it was purely coincidence. Go ahead, Mark. And do you know that your name is spelled wrong? Well, so good it's question. French. So, parlez-vous français? Oui. Um, ah. So, the reason the reason the B, it's B-L-E-U is because when we knew that we wanted to get to the name, um, we went and looked at all the trademarks and all the, mm. the, the, the the URLs and everything else, and it was like, oh, crap. There was a small company up in upstate Washington that had Blue Wave, and there was another, like, um, I would call it like a travel agent type thing mm. over in California. We're like, hell no, we can't compete with that. Yeah. We took the gamble, Mark, of... Do we take the French spelling? And we literally voted, you know, in our little conference room with all, what, four employees, right. four of us, yeah. which three of us were basically owners. <laughs> <laughs> and and we were like, screw it, let's do it. And I will tell you, the first six to eight weeks was pure hell. I bet. No one called, no one knew how to get our emails because no one could spell. Oh, and wow. we had we didn't have a Google presence, of course. Right Now it's turned into the best marketing scam I could have ever dreamed of mm-hmm. because why what's with the significance of your name and why is the spelling screwed up well if i can tell you my story i've already got you yeah you know yeah, exactly uh, yeah. and then i can just be me and go oh and then they go oh that's a cool story can we hire you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> here's my money <laughs> yeah. so anyway uh kent did i answer the question no <laughs> okay no, not <laughs> right. in the slightest so back into it no <laughs> yes <laughs> so we feel yes um feel very blessed feel very um connected um I I um and I I need to go and say that thank you guys for having me on your podcast. Um, we reciprocate. You know, this wasn't a reciprocation by default. Mark was just currently on our Mac and Blue con uh, podcast. So a little story about Mac and Blue is, um, Robert Johnson, who at the time was um, uh, and I need to give shout outs to both companies. Um, at that time, he was business development with Mac Prefab over on the west side with Matt mm. Cormier, who owns Executive Executive West. So they're a, a metal stud, prefabricated, you know, they, they're a subcontractor of ours. Uh, at that time, Robert Johnson was still working there. And so hence the name Mac and then us Blue Wave Blue. Right. So when we put our podcast together, our whole impetus and goal was it wasn't going to be about our companies. We wanted to literally have a venue that talked about nothing other than building Arizona. Right. So we just started, at a, a, you know, last spring. And the whole thing was like, let's just get economic development directors, um, people like you, general contractors, architects, yeah. engineers, everything. And much like I'm sure you guys know, it, the, the maturation and the evolution, it's, it's you think you've got it planned out and then it just blows up in your face. Yeah. Um, good and bad. Sure. And so anyway, the, uh, and then the second part of the shout out is, um, like I said, uh, Mac Prefab and Executive West is still doing uh, great things. Uh, Robert th- did take a different job with Tory Contracting up in Las Vegas. And uh, so, but instead of changing the name, we just honored it because we had already branded it as Mac and Blue, and now we're doing that as well. Um, where I was going with all of this is, though, I always tell people, you know, I moved from Minneapolis to Phoenix, and population-wise, don't quote me on it, I'll, I'll get this all wrong, but even though Minneapolis was half the size of Phoenix when I moved here, it felt twice as big mm. um, economically and, and connective wise of the business environment. Sure. When I got here, I was like, oh my God, this is America's smallest big town. Yeah. Mm. Where if you, yeah, I can if see you that. farted at the Henry, everyone knew about it down at, you know, at, at Biltmore 
in two seconds. It's right. such a transitional state for businesses yeah. and people. And um, I can understand because there's a maturity uh, in Minneapolis and people wear suits. And there's a, they do. There's an etiquette to business protocols here. It's just everything is just like fly by the seat of your pants almost. So, uh, again, back to what you guys are doing here and what all of us, I think, have a – we don't have a responsibility, but I like to think of it as our responsibility, our success factor – is bringing that all together so that we can spread the word. So again, that's how, why we did the Mac and Blue thing was, let's let everyone know what Building Arizona is about. Because mm. there's so many people that are impacted by our industry, and, and it's such an economic juggernaut to our, our GDP and all those kind of things. Mm. Um, like, look at how many tower, you know, how many cranes are in our valley over oh, the last yeah, year. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's like, Crazy. hold it. When TSMC and Intel and all these things that are, 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 are totally transforming our economy Who's at the heart of that? Well, our industry. Right. So, like anyway, this table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much exactly. So, with that, I did. I digress. Turn it over to you for another question. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, do you know James Murphy? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we've had James on the show before. Yeah, and he I was mean, he was on our. Uh, oh, was he? What about two three weeks ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I, I just. The short time we've got to know each other, I, I, I put you in the James Murphy category, which I'm hoping you see oh, yeah. as a. Uh, uh, He's a, a compliment great. for sure. He's, uh, and again, full disclosure, I met him, I met him through a friend, I don't know how many years ago. And um, it was cool because he was nice enough to where I could go down. Well, I know they moved offices, but when they used to be down on, what was it, 40 something street. 40 second, yeah. Yeah. um, James was nice enough to where he would take, take me in, we'd have coffee and just talk shop. Mm. We didn't ask anything out of each other. We would just literally talk uh, guy to guy. CEO to CEO, even though his balance sheet was a million times bigger than mine. (laughs) Um, But that meant the world to me. And I think we had a lot of the same philosophies of how we wanted to transform the industry. Um, He just has a a wonderful story and a greater maturation in in his story than I do with mine. But yet, I I think the compliment is there. And I think there's a lot of other James Murphys and JJs out there that are trying to do Mm. the good by good in our industry. And so, yes, we had him on the podcast on ours as well, just a few weeks ago. And it was, it was very, um, refreshing to hear his message out to the audience. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes. I I liken, liken him to the Bobby Kennedy of the construction world. Great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. He commands himself. He has incredible integrity. I, I was blessed to meet him, uh, very early on a Saturday morning on a job site for a specific issue. And, you know, there I am meeting the CEO of, uh, you know, Wilming, and I'm just some schmuck drone dude. Incredible uh, courtesy and integrity and uh, humility, and he and was super happy with everything. It just so happens that I think before I showed up, uh, looked down at LinkedIn, and he was just up at a forum in Salt Lake yeah. City of, yeah. you yeah. know, a, another major construction movement type thing. So, yeah, yeah he, he's definitely, uh, back to the, what I was joking about, he's definitely one of the ambassadors of Quan in our industry. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. For all of you uh, Jerry Maguire fans exactly. out there. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mark, I'm so glad you're not a sh- no longer a schmuck. Oh, well, thank you. I've, yeah. I've hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. When on. did double, double Seeker Probation leave his world? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, JJ. Oh, man. Hold it. No, seriously. Like, when did he get off that designation? <laughs> he, I don't know. He must fake it really well. Yeah. well amongst amongst, amongst other things he fakes. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Thanks. Oh, man. All right. Before we like get on to some more technical stuff, I guess, how would you describe your leadership style? <laughs> Sorry. We're both in need, right of, after that. in need of work. <laughs> Refinement. I'm back to Sean going, I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, 
It's overused, but a servant leader. Um, I, I, I think I really embrace and understand what servant leadership means. I didn't until about probably 15 years ago. Sure. Um, I also realized that, um, especially in the last few years, by default, I've been, I have been the C-suite. When you're, when you're a smaller company, you are, you are the entire C-suite. Yeah. And it's refreshing to know that, um, my strength is to know that what my weaknesses are, I need to go hire better people to do those things. But yet, I still love the ambassador of Quan. Like, I want to be out there. I want to be the one kissing babies, the executive-faced, um, or the customer-faced executive, where you're there making people feel good, yeah. you know? And yep. I realize that that's my role. Mm-hmm. I need to be the brand. I need to be the, the brand of Blue Wave and even the brand of Mac and Blue to, to effectuate what we're trying to change in the industry or maybe not change, but just make it better, right? So. I mean, it's the old adage, uh, JJ, you know, good managers manage themselves out of their own jobs. Yep. Exactly. And yep. you, you lead by example and you bring people up. And, you know, we talked about this on another podcast. Mm-hmm. We, we also have to make excellent and very selective hiring practices because we can't fall into the trap of hiring a B minus employee and expect them to be A plus. If you don't give them the tools. If you don't give them the tools, but sometimes the limitations are clearly identified in the interview, right? You've got to look. <laughs> you got to look for someone that you can bring up and, and move forward with. Or well, but but you're talking about hiring an A plus. I I don't know. I think about that the opposite way. I think of you hire a B man B minus, and it's my job as a manager to make you an A plus. And yes, I can't complain upon the way that you're still operating at a B minus when it's my job to make you an A plus. I, I totally agree with that, but having just gone through a, a very long and lengthy hiring process, I went back to that mantra of sticking by my guns because it's it, it's uh, you get sold a bill of goods and there's yeah. a whole change in the um, yeah well know. yeah I mean not everybody can be an A plus oh no, sure I, yeah I, I mean it, you're never gonna get and I shouldn't yeah. say never but right if yeah. if we as business managers or whatever interview until we find an A plus. We are going to be disappointed. No, I. But I that agree. being so, said, the one thing that I think you may be talking about is when it smells fishy and you have that instinct and the little hair picks mm-hmm. up that says this doesn't thing thing right. But now I'm starting to, you know, negotiate with myself and think yeah. and, and try to rationalize how yeah. I can get. We lost it there. Okay, yeah. then move on from that. That, yeah. that B minus is never going to be an A plus because the the whole the, the balance that we want as owners is I want someone to be as passionate about the job as I am to be as competent as I am and then you have to go hold on a minute if I find that person they're just going to go off and do it on their own anyway so how long do I have with them how how can I leverage those talents until they go and do that so that's that's always the challenge too yeah sure would you so agree JJ it, it, it's a great you got me thinking um I agree and disagree. So I'm at a point in my life and my career, I don't care. Mm. Ah, in other words, love this guy. In other words, <laughs> I want someone to knock my off my ass. Okay, I want someone to take my job, and I want it, them to take it yesterday. Totally cool. Agree. The irony was is back when I told you that when we started another company in Minnesota, and we mm. were we were crazy. Like we were, we started it in the right before the recession hit. And I'll, I think it's important that I share with the audience this story because it's actually, I think it's uplifting and, and encouraging. We were literally the black sheep pariah of our, of our market. 
we went and we wanted to be the Google-esque of the construction space when everyone else was retracting, right? right. We doubled down on everything. I mean, and don't, don't kid yourself. There were weeks where we didn't know if we were going to make payroll. We, you know, we were dipping into all of our savings as owners to, to just keep the doors open because it was, you know, 2009, 2010. I mean, it was, the shit was deep. But then what happened was I'll never forget the, the, the switch. It was all the subcontractors, all of our competitors hated us. Because we were we were doing things different, we were trying to disrupting. be we were disrupting. But I'll never forget our core values. As we were like back to what, and I'm I'm going to link this in a second. We had like things like safety above all else, and then we had always add value semicolon always um, represent those not present. You know, instead of d- talking shit when people aren't around. Mm. But my point was is there was another thing that we had in the in our value system, which was back to what Mark was talking about is you will always be top grading. I, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it was like, listen, if we've done everything to, to, to raise that person and if they leave, we've actually done the world a better job. We actually put that in writing and then live by it. And I remember going, this is so sacrilegious and full of shit, mm. but I'll never forget when we actually did raise someone up, Mark, that mm. they did go on their own. Guess what? It was the right move. Yes. They were ready to move on. Yeah. But they actually made us a better company because of it. We didn't lose an asset. We gained a friend. Right. Makes sense. And I would have never believed it had I not gone through the experience. So I can humbly tell you that now I can I can live that again and I don't care. So in other words, like, you know, if my employees are listening and they want to take me out and and, and, and take over the company, please go, f- <laughs> go for it. You know, <laughs> go for it. You're, you're being supportive in the statement. You're not being ambivalent when you say, I don't care, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but here's the reality is we, we're we not going to grow as leaders, people, whatever we're doing. If, you know, put, let's put ourselves back in those shoes. I remember mm-hmm. when I wanted to knock my boss off, I'm like, listen, I can do that job better than him. I'm smarter than him. I'm mm-hmm. more resourceful and I outwork his ass. Well, guess what I did? I went and took it. There you go. Now, so I'd be a, I'd be a hypocrite if I then you know cock blocked it now and said nope no more yep. right and I see I see way too much of of leadership in our industry specifically where they get to the corner office and then it's like burp, barriers go up yeah like whoa you just knocked your whole enterprise value down to dog shit <laughs> well but it's like what you just said it's the key to your success was doing these things you actually get there and then it's like okay well. I can't let anybody do that again because right. <laughs> that obviously wasn't a good, but that's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But you, you don't learn that overnight. Right. And it's funny because yeah. as a, as a 51 year old guy, you want to go back and talk to yourself at 31 and go, listen, it's a journey. You're not going to do this overnight. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. all been there. And uh, it, it's funny as you age and mature, you're like, wow, this isn't so hard. If you just would have slowed down, smelled the coffee a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So speaking yeah. of that, um, I want to ask you, you know, you kind of mentioned some of those challenges, but go ahead, especially when you, uh, maybe let's take it from when you moved here to Arizona, you know, started from scratch, like you said, what is that big challenge that you can think of and look back on in the last six years that you had to overcome to get to this point other than dealing with the spelling of the name? Well, this Hmm. one's going to hurt some people and that is work ethic. So coming from the Midwest. Yep. Getting mm-hmm. here, the first three years, I struggled, and I struggled mightily. I mean, I was, I wouldn't say depressed, but I just could not understand the the mentality of Arizona of, 
hasta mañana, don't care. You know, I was, when you're raised in the upper Midwest, it's, you come from all Eastern European upbringings where your parents were strict and, you know, it was very Christian based. I'm not going to get into the secular piece of this, but you know, it, the community raised you, you were a village idiot, right? And if your parent wasn't there, the next parent slapped your ass. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that work ethic, and especially in the construction space where remember that was a generational thing where I grew up, you know, if you were German or Norwegian or Polish or all these things, you had many, many trades or many things where your grandfather, your father, you know, your uncle, it didn't matter. Someone you knew, knew a trade and that's how you got into it. Absolutely. Right. Agreed. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. So right. getting down here and see that construction was just transactional. It tore my heart out mm. because I was emotional. I love construction. Because, it, you know, nothing is cooler to watch, you know, when you drive by a project five years later and your kid or your grandkid or someone says, Daddy, Uncle, you bu- did you build that? Yeah, I built that. You know, I don't care who you are. You know, back to what we talked about yeah. is, well, what did you do? Oh, you know, I built an NFT or I did this or that. I mean, not that that's not cool too, but when you can drive by and see it. So anyway, Sean, I, I, I get back to, your, back to your thing is that was the struggle. Once I accepted that, that I, I'm not going to change the, the the Arizona construction market and embrace for what it is and realize that I if I just make an incremental difference, then I've done good. So instead of trying to, you know, I'm not going to solve the world's problems. Now, that was my own issue that I had to get over. And I'm not going to repeat the upper Midwestern work ethic and construction down here. Okay, get over that. Then what I did is I went back to relationships and who ca- who else cared. And then I surrounded myself with all those people that, that matched that. And my life has been pretty blissful since. Because with, within what I just described as it's not as good in the middle, Midwest, that's not true. Okay, in totality, maybe so. Okay, just because of a different mindset. But at the, at the granular level of people and, in, and, and investing and believing in people, I have found some of the most compassionate uh, people that I consider friends, you know, like meeting Mark. I, I mean, I could give you a whole list of trade partners and even competitors of mine, you know, James and people like that, where technically I would consider them a friend. And I think that they, they have all the right attributes to make our industry better. So that has been the uplifting part of going, wow, you know, I started in kind of a negative paradigm, switched that. And now it's like, you know what, we got some really, really good people in what we do. And let's, let's, let's make that blossom even more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, really. Well yeah, really good stuff. Let's t- let's talk about the trades just a little bit. Um, I like what you said. You know, coming from the Upper Midwest, um, of you know, course, somebody you do. in your family worked in the trades, hey. whatever. <laughs> Southern <laughs> Illinois is not no, exactly no, no, Upper no, no, Midwest. No, no, no. I grew, uh, I grew no, up in Chicago. But, yeah, grew up in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Well, we won't hold that against Solid you. Solid Midwest. <laughs> it all depends on the audience or <laughs> our guest, because we had some Canadians on, and he was <laughs> damn he near was, from Quebec. So. Yeah, I'm a curler. Hold it. Frenchies don't count on this. But like the one thing I want to mention though is, first of all, the trades are struggling. What's up, Geoholics? This week we want to give a special shout out to our good friends at North Star Surveying. Founded in 1979, North Star Surveying Inc. provides quality professional land surveying services for both private and public clients throughout Western Oregon. The company maintains a strong desire to treat each and every client, associate, and consultant with respect and integrity so they end up with positive long-term relationships. Ensure the success of your upcoming surveying project with the help of North Star Surveying. To find out more, simply visit northstarsurveying.com and be sure to let them know that you're a geoholic. But, you know, growing up, so like, you know, my dad uh, grew up working construction since 
he was 16, you right. know, then he was a janitor. Then he was a, a plumber ultimately. Um, you know, my uncle, same exact thing, my stepfather, an electrician. So the trades have always been a part of my family and me being a professional surveyor, there's an argument, you know, is surveying a trade or a profession, whatever. We're not going to have that argument, but um, surveyors are, are the profession or the trade is struggling because very few people are getting into it. Uh, we've done a horrible job at promoting it over the last 30 years, and now we're paying the price for it. And it, I, know, I know a number of the other trades are experiencing the same type thing. What, like, what are you saying as far as that goes? Well, <clears throat> not to steal your thunder, but we have had, I'm going to answer it with just a segue, and that is on the Mac and Blue podcast, we've addressed this probably three or four times with different guests. So let me give you just a background, and then let's answer the question. One is we had like the, um, and I hate acronyms because I suck at it, was it CTE, basically the whole vocational um, uh, trademark that's under the Department of Education. We had those guests on to talk about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then we have, um, like we had, um, uh, what's her name, Dawn Rogers, who's like part of the Arizona uh Masonry Council, you know, mm. talking about that and what we're doing with like the Evits and the and the, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. the Mac West. And again, I, I suck with names. I went, Kent, to answer your question, I went into this, the same question with thinking that we're not doing enough to coming out of that going, wow, there actually are a lot of people doing enough. Um, mm -hmm. What I've come, my own conclusion, this may be offensive to a lot of the listeners. This starts at the family level, not at the, at the societal level. And so, um, I don't know how we changed that. Actually, if I may Go. In, interject, I think the current political climate has done an amazing job of helping us with that. They've spoken about the cost of university and college education, education student debt forgiveness, the value of what a degree is. I mean, that's what's all that's been talked about for nine months, even from those super literate uh, individuals out there. You've now got the Harvard case right now about the segregation of, of classes. Um, so a lot of people, especially my kid's age, my son's 19, goes to ASU, and he's even said, is it really worth 40 grand a year, Dad? Can I get a mm. job in construction management? What yes, can you can. Uh, yeah. Give him my email address. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I think there's a whole paradigm shift of the younger generation my only challenge when I talk to my kids and, and their their peers is they don't really want to work that hard. They want to be a YouTuber. And then June 21, Google changes the algorithm and all the YouTubers are losing 75% of the revenue. Hmm. I mean, if you're 16 years old, you really need to be making 500 grand because you play video games? No. But there is a paradigm shift of that changing in what is the value of an education. Yep. And it is nationally moving to trades which is how you and I grew up and how the kids should have grown up, right? Trades, being a draft, uh, a, a, what is the, uh, the word? It's, um, shit, I was going to say draftsman, but it's not. It, it's a true trade with a skill set. Uh, not right. going a back to union. Skilled craftsman. Skilled craftsman. Thank yeah. you. That's exactly the two words I was looking for. Thank well, you, Sean. Hello again, Geoholics. We want to give our... Good friends at Point Man by ProStar, a quick shout out. These guys are absolutely blowing up. Point Man is a patented cloud and mobile mapping software application that captures, records, and displays the precise location and the associated metadata to critical surface and subsurface infrastructure. Point Man captures mission-critical infrastructure data with unprecedented quality and accuracy that includes type, depth, and precise geospatial location, where Google Maps above the ground, ProStar Maps the underground. Check them out at ProStarCorp.com and be sure to let them know that you're a geoholic. So 
so Kent, on that, let's keep peeling off of what Mark said. My son too. My oldest son is twenty. He's in the Marine Corps right now. Thank classic, you. classic example. Smart as hell, and I love him to death. But he was lazy as hell in high school, right? And because the the school structure and paradigm failed him, mm. you know. Let's be honest; it, it's failing yep. everyone. And so he decided, you know, I'm going to go in the Marine Corps. I was tickled pink, you know, because I'm like, listen, he's going to get an ass whooping. He's going to get discipline. He made the call to me, um, I don't know, it was maybe three, four weeks ago. And we're just talking like we talk every so often. He's stationed out in North Carolina and basically has just a brainless job, typical government thing. And I don't really care if anyone is opposed to that. And um, he goes, Dad, you know what? I I, I think I'm going to, if they're going to offer it to me, I'm going to take an early out and I'm going to, I'm going to come back. And I'm like, oh God, what are you going to do? Well, he said, he goes, and he laid out a whole plan. You know, this is what I'm going to do. This is this. And I'm going to go back and I think I'm going to go into aerospace engineering or mechanical engineering. Wow. And I said, hmm. but I think what impressed me more was that it had grounded him to where he wasn't going to go to school to go to school. He was going to go to school to get a, a craft and a trade craft, a to trade. come out and work. And he had all manipulated to where he was going to take advantage of again, the paradigm that he was in mm. where I didn't have to fork over 40 grand. He was going to manipulate the GI bill. Well, not only that, but how the defense contractors are going to pay him, pay off his contract, but I don't even know how it works, but I'm not going to get right. into that. And then the GI or Montgomery bill. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, my lazy ass kid has figured it out in two and a half short years in the military. Mm. It, it did exactly what he wanted. Um, shoot. I had another point. So that, that was my own personal story back to that. And then, Mark, I agree with you, is that I think, oh, I know what it was. I think that the the pandemic also showed oh. us that college, that system is also broken. Totally. And oh, the whole totally. debt structure, it'll never rebound. And, you know, despite what, what Michael has done with ASU and, and, and there's some, been some brilliant things at ASU, the, the conventional... Uh, model of higher education is also broken and, so. and, and maybe ASU has it figured out. Maybe, maybe they are transient enough, transformative enough that they can figure out that, that there's a combination of all of the above. I, I think that some of the things that they're doing at the Polytechnic, if you guys yeah. have ever been down there, yeah. Yeah, we have. there's some cool shit going on mm. down there. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that is a, a, a success story that we can combine the traditional higher education market with what we're talking about, Kent and Sean, that the trades and the organic uh, ability to raise uh, our youth to, to, to do things. And if I can, I'll, I'll go down one more kind of rabbit hole, was early on, I think when I did my first podcast, I don't know, a couple of years ago, um, I talked about that, remember, we still have to get robots programmed and all these things are going to transform mm-hmm. the construction space. In other words, the geeky, cool stuff that Mark's work, Mark works on, we still need some of those kids too. So even though they might think that they're programming, they're actually technically doing construction things. So there, there is, there, I don't know what the percentages are, and I'm not here to be judge or jury of that, but there is a, a, a distinct group of, of kids, male and female, that need to also go and augment our, our industry in that capacity as well. And I, I, I don't know how, you, especially think about your business, Kent, is, you know, all the, the BIM and the CAD and the things behind the scenes, that could be done by someone that doesn't even know that that exists. Absolutely. Right, but if you're going to go and become a chemist or a pharmacist or an engineer, then there's a specific curriculum for that. But from my experience and from what I know that is still current because I left England 30 years ago, 
By the time I was 16, it was drilled into me that I had to know what O-levels I had to take. O-levels were the first set of 14 core syllabi that you had to have to get in and qualify for your A-levels. Your A-levels, I did four. I did chemistry, biology, physics, and math because I wanted to be a pharmacologist. In order to get good grades at that, you had to specialize in those four A-levels, and that got you into university to become a pharmacologist if your scores are good enough. If not, you ended up bagging groceries at Tesco. But that was a specific career. Over here, the majority of work that's done, think of BIM modelers or, or anything else that's uh, relevant out there. You're just in the geospatial world, a degree might get you the um, interview. My son, I keep beating both of them. I beat them up about having a good GPA and saying to Colin, Colin, look, son, by the time you graduate, there are going to be 17 million more people in the workforce. You better have a damn good GPA. Come to find out they don't give a shit about the GPA, which is why do you put the pressure on them? You know, but I'm going, look, if if Sean and Kent come to me and they both are qualified and they both have a wonderful personality and want to hire them, guess what? Sean's got a 3.9. Kent fucked up. He's got a 2.8. He's out. Uh, for those listeners, the actual is probably opposite. <laughs> I had the 2.1 and Kent had the 3.9. So, Did you have the beer trophy, though? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, a, on a four scale. Let's make that clear. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you ogre? <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I graduated college... <laughs> Uh, from the uh, the university was very nice to give me a degree. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it was it was it was close. Yeah, but which but back to my point okay. is the in the European educational system is if you hadn't made a choice by sixteen, couldn't figure it out, didn't have a direction, guess where you went? You military. went to no, yes, the military, or you went to a union trade school. Hmm. You worked the coal mines. You worked the steel foundry. You did a trade, and it was a true trade. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing my grandfather pull out a piston out of my dad's car and go and blew it, put bluing dye on it, and shave it down with metal tools in the gardening shed. I mean, that's the level of trade, right? And we don't have that. There's no impetus or pressure on the family, back to your point, JJ, of the family instilling those values. Unless you come from Detroit, then you're going to go work at Ford, right? We don't have that in the Southwest. It's all about tech and zeros and ones and binary and code don't get me started on hermaphrodites on that one but i mean there there isn't that in ingrained uh functionality of, of the education system and the drive from the family unit but where does that come from though that's my question is how do you get i mean those ones and zeros do matter and they do that's what's going to shape a lot of the future yes. but somehow we got it it got lost from and maybe it's just out of necessity, but you had to, you know, if you didn't get a job here, you had to get a job somewhere. And now it's not necessarily the, the case. Yeah. It's more about opportunity and what you could do. And Yeah, and but take TSMC here in Phoenix, the largest uh, uh, construction project in America currently until Intel and Microsoft destroy Ohio. But you've got 8,500 construction workers there every single day. It takes 8,500 people to build that monster 18 million square feet it takes 1200 people to run it i mean there's a diseconomy right there we know that we need a five times factor of trades that are paid a very good wage for what they do for the quality i mean i'm very passionate about the construction industry and and 
the the lack of talent coming up. We just have to attract them. I mean, back to your point. I mean, if I was the the guy that was building and welding all that roof that's subgrade and putting it all together and driving by on the way to fishing game, showing the kids that that's my motivation, right? And I don't see, I don't just, I just don't see that happening in the youth of today. Yeah. yeah well, where did it change? Because you know, like I came from a very middle-class family and I was the first person in my family to go to college and mm-hmm. looking back at it, I got my degree in architecture. I could be doing exactly what I'm doing right now without that degree. Are you sure? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. besides like, you know, the, the social aspect of going to college and, you know, fraternity brothers for life and all that shit, you know. And why but, does it take you a year to freaking figure out what you're doing? And why do you go to university to redo your electives and learn how to do freaking English or my son doing African-American anthropology because that's the only class he could take so he could get on to the second year? I'm like, come on. And meanwhile, we're shelling out 40 grand to get him there. But and, are you are you saying that you're upset? I mean, are, are the kids supposed to know what they want to do in their life when they enter into college. No. No, but they should have a form of direction so that they're they're focused on what they're doing. I mean, both my children, and maybe they're just the exception to the rule, they just wanted a party. One was a social chair for the frat. One's in the frat, went through the hazing, did all that stuff. ASU, U of A, and then they're finally focused on their job of getting a degree. I'm sorry, but... It, I don't give a shit about the frat and the, the letters and all the other stuff. You're, you've wasted a year. You've wasted a year of your parents' money. You know, they apply for scholarships by talking about Martians and aliens and guns and write thousand-word thousand essays to try and get a little bit of money. Yeah. But they, the day they go to college, they should have the requisite skills to start the syllabus. Not dick around for a year and go, oh, I'll make it to class on Friday and I'll think about it. You know, and turn in the projects late. Yeah. But. The only thing I want to add, again, going back to my previous statement, the only reason I say that I could be doing exactly what I'm doing right now without that degree is because I had amazing mentors. That's mm. what made the difference in my career. But you, how did you, I, I got to start from a little, little before that. Like, how did you even know that being a surveyor was an option? How did you even have an opportunity to... You're telling me that if you didn't go to school, you went to the coal mines or whatever they do in Southern Illinois, you would get an op- opportunity to become a surveyor just magically. I think that that's part of the process is yeah. that you were in some sort of technical field, some sort of AEC something. Well, yeah, I, I got introduced got, in high school. In high school, because I was in a drafting program, the architecture program at the high school I went to. Yeah, but that's my point. That's how is I got that, introduced to survey. Okay, you get, yeah. but it, it was still there. You didn't need it to get to where you're going, but without it, you could have taken a completely different path, and it never, sure. ever would have been an option. That, yeah. that's For everyone listening, you can clearly tell Sean's the engineer. He's a linear thinker, and that is why he has his point of view, and I'm discounting it. Very much. <laughs> I am just very sensitive to the fact that we are for old ass white guys sitting in here complaining that the youth are not they have no worth ethic and the youth don't do this and everything and back in my day and all that like can we at least be honest that maybe it's a little different maybe your kids experience it a little different maybe they might get something out of being the social chair for a frat that I can turn yeah. into a career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to, I don't, I, yeah. and I will sometimes say this, like, we get a little whiny, old guy whiny and I will be in what we Sean, talk about. I, I, I agree with you because totally. up until, you know, I started working with Alta, um, who is 
very um, adamant about having interns. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. adamant about having interns. And whether either we've been incredibly blessed with amazing interns or I'm not sure what, what's going on, but these young people are so eager to learn yes. and they learn at yep. such a rapid pace. Yep. You can't keep up. That's my point. It's unbelievable. I am I'm glad failing these it. kids because they come in, don't know anything, don't need, don't know what geotech or survey or anything, but you show them something, they learn it immediately and they want to know more. And yep. I could take advantage of them so much more and we yes. can all benefit, yes. turn them into whatever they want or whatever we want or some magic combination. And that's what I think we should so focus sh- more so, on. So Sean, Yes, sir. <laughs> Here it comes. Is the problem us or them? Oh, clearly us. Thank clearly you. me. Yeah, it's one hundred percent me. Yeah. So, so if here, I listened more and right. was and understood more and actually so did, did things that made more sense for them, they it speak would benefit a different language. me more. So let's go back to Ken's original question. When he asked me, it's like that's why I was trying to preface is through this through my own transformation of that question. I've determined that we are the problem, not them. Yes, correct. And that actually there are many people in our environment that are providing the solution. I wouldn't say solutions, providing the platforms and the catalysts to get there. We just have to get that out of the freaking way, you know, and, and really give, I think to Kent's point, we just have to light the fire a little bit harder and set the bar a little bit higher. Yes. And then just exactly. get the F out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you are spot on. Like, okay. look at you. Look, we, do you have kids? Yes. Okay, we all, you? Yep. Okay, so we all have kids, and they frustrate the hell out of us, but you're right. They learn at an exponential rate that we that we do. I mean, it, it's it's scary shit when you look at your kids and go, uh, okay, yeah, that would have taken me two months in an Encyclopedia Britannica, and they've got it in, what, 1.2 gigaseconds on mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. They, they, they navigate the internet faster than we even know what exists. Did you ever see that MIT study a couple of years ago? Enlighten us. It was absolutely fascinating. The When the MIT graduates uh, that were all magna cum laude over like the last five years, they could tell you the two clicks on the internet to get to the information, but they couldn't tell you the answer to the question because it wasn't relevant to them. What it was was finding the data as fast as possible, making sure it was correct, and then being able to regurgitate it in a dissertation. Interesting. So resourceful. Yeah, very but, resourceful. So let me close, before we move on to the next subject, Kent. So with that, watching my own kids, how do I say this? They're bored shitless. Yeah. Our entire educational paradigm is the problem. They we, we do not challenge them enough. We don't have, the whole structure is so 1985 that these kids are so outstripped. That's why you see all this mental health issues, all this, all this, the discord the, the, the disingenuous, uh, you know, commitment to their studies, uh, that's my bias and that's my solution is like we're not just not challenging these kids hard, uh, hard enough. We're yeah. not giving them a platform to learn. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then they get bored, just like you said. Yep. Absolutely, well, no question. And then so what are they attracted to? Oh, look at purple shiny unicorn piss over here. Squirrel. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> unicorn squirrel. piss. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Kent, what do we got? we got to talk about the metaverse. Uh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, definitely. I know that. That's we can't thing. have a freaking podcast on. Uh, we without can't record talking. an episode without talking about the metaverse. So. Not, lately. Not lately. And you mentioned because we had Rose on. Oh, yeah. Thanks to you, Omar. Uh, no, it's Ro- Ro- Rose Law Group. Jordan Rose. 
Jordan. Oh, yeah, Jordan on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. awesome. Yeah. She really is. She really is. And we were very fortunate to have her on, but of course she's like, I have a hard stop at seven o'clock. Gotta go pick up my kids, you know? Right. So we didn't get to near the stuff that we wanted to talk to with her. Um, but and a lot of that was the, you know, metaverse stuff. And you mentioned NFTs earlier yep. and something that you mentioned earlier when yep. we were chatting this morning was like real estate NFTs, which mm-hmm. I, to be honest with you, until you said that, I didn't even know there was such a thing. So of course I mm. Google it to see what it was. So enlighten, enlighten our audience, enlighten me. What, what is a real estate NFT? So um, JJ can answer the question better than I am, but JJ was kind enough to approach me on uh, digitizing the Cannon Beach Surf Park. One, creating something like a video game. Two, being mm. able to financially monetize it, pre-lease it, expose people, even down to the point of uh, with technology today and, and uh, software like Unreal Engine, we can take the survey, Geomatic, and whatever you do, Sean, and we can digitize <laughs> he it. Holes. <laughs> he digs holes. Um, makes poop shoots. Uh, very important. <laughs> Fact. Um, I yeah, love that. I love this podcast. <laughs> if you guys don't hit 300, it's your own fault. <laughs> um, but what was fascinating was JJ immediately saw the uh, opportunity for retail, for leasing, and then obviously digitizing it. So when they, we can record uh, someone at the park, and then the kids can come in and actually compete against that star on a wakeboard. So... Um, JJ, over to you. Explain the, <laughs> your vision for the NFT and and well, so okay. Full disclosure, uh, and back to compliments to Jordan and Omar, hit Chris and Chris Webb. So I, like I said, I'm a little bit on the spectrum. So I I knew nothing about the metaverse NFTs until probably two years ago. Mm. And I'm just a consummate learner. And when I'm up, just reading, reading, reading. And when I say reading, I'm you know, on the tablet or on the, on the laptop. And just, I'm always inquisitive to those kind of things. And I'm like, hold it. And all of a sudden all the things started clicking. It it was really just don't get it. Don't get it. Don't get it. And then boom, it was like, it wasn't just get it. It was holy shit. I see the whole universe in front of me moving forward. Is is that what being a little on the spectrum is like? Cause that sounds really interesting, but so, but he takes massive doses of lithium. Is there any, uh, okay, is there any marijuana involved in this? No, not uh, at that point. Okay. Not at that point. <laughs> since, some good since then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, only because Jordan legalized uh, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go, Jordan. That's there a spiff go. to all your, yeah. all your revenue streams over at Rose Law Group. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. So luckily, I've, I've known a bunch of people at Rose Law Group for a long time, and I was like, hold it. There's a future here. And the future that I saw was that, um, and, and, you know, if someone wants to copy me and steal this, God help you. I wanted to be the first general contractor that was owned by a DAO. Okay. Mm. So D-A-O, D-A-O. So I approached Jordan and, and Omar and Chris, and I said, I, I think I see a future of construction. And so here was the vision. The vision was, yes, we have tangible pr- projects, but yes, the, there's also virtual. So let me go down both. So Mark's right. Luckily, um, we had the Cannon Beach uh, project, and, and I can just speak to this in context. So my idea was if we build this, imagine all the other kids in the world that they can't experience the surf park like local kids could in Mesa or Gilbert or Chandler or who's ever here in the valley that could go there. But, wow, could they put on an Oculus and then surf with Shane Beshin or any of the world stars that are part of what we're doing over there 
And so I was like, oh, I got this figured out. We'll just have Mark digitize the whole thing. We'll turn it over to Cole Cannon, the owner, and then he can he can then turn this into a whole separate revenue stream of where a kid in Shanghai at 2 a.m. could put on his Oculus and be surfing with anybody at that virtual time or recorded time, you know, truly in the metaverse. So okay. for those of you listening, think of the movie Real Player or Player One. Oh, Ready Player, player One. Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Thank yep. you. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, it, it just it just started going on. It, it, pretty soon it's like you can see the snowball effect is that I'm like, oh, Cole, can you imagine that if you did this of, you know, every participant that comes in, you know, now do you want to sell your digital experience to the world because, A, you can monetize that and then they can monetize that as a developer and all that. It just, it, it just... It never stops in my brain. The way my brain works is it just it just kept going and going and going. So I approached uh, uh, Jordan and Omar and the group over at Rose Law Group, and I'm like, "Hey, how do we get how do we get this? How do we take this to the next level?" So this is where it gets really interesting. Is and this is going to sound bad, but our minds are working faster than the legislature. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah. Right. So we basically hit a roadblock about six nine months ago because our vision of this is very sustainable in the, in the, in the capitalist market. It's just not sustainable in, in our current paradigm with the way the legislation works. So we kind of came to, I wouldn't say it's not an impasse, but we're kind of at a halt right now. I'm just kind of waiting for everything else to catch up. Mm. But my vision is still the same is there are, we can put NFTs to everything, um, whether it's plans, specs, all those kind of things. I'm, I want to call out another uh, for those listeners that want to look up, look up concert um, my good friend Tim DeFault up in Minneapolis, who's an architect from uh, the old, if you guys know the Cunningham Group, they're a nationally known architectural group. He was instrumental. John Picard over in California, he's also instrumental in all this. What they basically want to say is that, listen, everything in the AEC speed, everything in the AEC space. What is AEC? Space? Architecture, engi- architecture engineering, engineering, and construction. construction. Thank you. So in other words, our world, right? Yes. yes. Everybody in our world. There isn't a reason out there why every document that we do shouldn't be in a blockchain technology and have an NFT for every plan, spec, recordable document. It's just, it's so obvious that we should be there, and yet our industry is so slow to change. It's just like, duh, right? But it's not. We're so myopically focused on what we do. Think of it this way. Who would have thought two years ago that your phone is your credit card? Bingo. Right? That's exactly what we're experiencing right now. We're digitizing everything. Um, for those of you listening, think of as-builts. How do we monetize as-builts? You, build, you build a building, you put it up, and then any contractor that wants to make that third-wing expansion on a hotel or a, a medical center can buy the data and bid a- appropriately. You're monetizing it through NFTs or whatever the blockchain technology is. Um, so there's so many um, ways to, I, I call it, monetizing the pixel. Yep. Hmm. So... The easy part, Kent and Sean, the easy part to overcome is the the blockchain piece and the digitizing and the NFTs. The harder space to sell right now or to convince people is the metaverse. In other right. words, yeah. look at I'm fifty one. I know you guys aren't spring chickens either. But three. Oh, you look good. Thanks, baby. I mean, you know, for a Brit. Yeah, for Beauty a Brit. is in yeah. the eye of the beholder. <laughs> for Damn. a foreigner, you're, yeah. you're all right. Hey, hey, hey. Your teeth are amazing. <laughs> yes. It was an American dentist that fixed them. Yeah. Yes. Well, who, yes. needs, who needs enemies when you got friends like this? I know, <laughs> Is that right? how that goes? Yeah, something like that. Um, yes. Where was I going with this? Oh, 
The the hard part's the metaverse. So even as an old guy, once I once I made that transformation mentally to oh my god, we as builders as AEC space, we've got to start thinking virtually, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things like I remember talking to Rose Law Group about is I'm like, what if I was the first general contractor in Phoenix that built digitally? They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't freaking know. I I'm gonna build Legos on the metaverse, right? And someone will pay me for it. That's yep. how stupid this world is. Yeah. Well, now, look, who am I to be judge and jury? But if I can monetize that, think about it. Kent, can you come survey the the, the virtual space? So I've already can, thought about it, my friend. Well, well <laughs> people are already <laughs> buying land or, in or Sean, Can you design the, the, the civil or the structural so the that I get shoot. it right? So, so let's just, I think here's kind of the kick in the head for our audience. Think about me and think about my company. If I go to my 52-year-old superintendent right now and I said, hey, you're going to manage the virtual build of a five-story or a, a mid-story, you know, MOB, which is a medical office building in the metaverse, they'd be like, what in the F are you talking about? Right. So back to how we started this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Your son, Colin, that's the kind of people that will do that. Yes. There's a whole nother revenue stream. There's a whole nother industry out there that is the metaverse. Now, do I want to play there? Maybe. But the cool part is, is at least as an old guy, I see that there is an opportunity there. That is the future of our world, whether you like it or not. Well, here's a, cl- here's a very timely example of that. If you take uh, Top Gun Maverick exactly. and Doctor Strange, combine their worldwide revenue, Call of Duty version two doubled that in one day that's why we have a a worldwide phenomenon called cod flu as soon as call of duty is launched people don't turn up to work they're playing in virtual space <laughs> also known as kyler murray there you go yeah classic but you can track his QBR to <laughs> releases of new. I'm, you I'm not saying you could. The internet has. He may have figured that out by now, but it is trackable. But that well, if you'd be a fan of a real team, then you'd know it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh. Oh, but uh, the Vikings. I mean, but can, people can are already know, buying Packers. in the metaverse. That's the point. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, people are buying outfits and guns and paying extra for, for the game. They're already in the metaverse. So I'm a business owner, okay? And yes. My 52-year-old superintendent, I still have the tangible building projects that I will give him or her, right? Mm-hmm. However, back to what Mark was saying, and you were saying, Kent, and you, Sean, is our youth, our kids, our next generation is, what do they have to look forward to in our space? Let's give them what they want. Virtual, metaverse, build whatever the hell you want. Because no, I don't care if a kid in Shanghai or, or Uzbekistan or wherever, if they want to go and be part of that world, who am I to deny that? Let's be capitalists and let's go. Let's let's go monetize that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of, that's my point is the when we monetize that, I think we connect the fifty year old superintendent with the twenty five year old MySpace. No, I shouldn't say man, MySpace. The, oh my the, god, the, you, JT just failed buying that thing. The, so come on, the, the twenty five year old intern that is it doesn't want to leave his desk, and right. I think we can do it with the you know, virtual and we do a lot in, in inspection and QAQC and all of Mm -hmm. that. If you're building in the metaverse, then you can have these kids reviewing and inspecting things in real time in a virtual space instead of having to be on site. And 
that I think you can engage a 52-year-old superintendent. Like, oh, wait, I don't have to wait for the guy yeah, to come out on site. physicality. He can that, see it. That, and, yeah. You can't touch it. That's the problem with our age bracket. We can't touch it. But if you can build it and go through all the stress, and like the a lot of the buildings, the high-rises in Dubai, for example, and in London that wouldn't have failed, if they'd build them in the meta- metaverse to the material engineer specs, they wouldn't have 300-pound sheets of glass falling off and killing people. Right. Right, you get it's almost like it's your VR testing ground wow. for applications. You really want to blow this conversation up? Go digital Dude. twins yep. and oh, biometrics. Yeah. Yep. Yes, that's yeah. We, yep. we love digital twins <laughs> yep. because what we're talking about up until now is just candy ash, kindergarten crap. When you get into true digital twin and biometrics, mm-hmm. that's our real industry moving forward. Yep, it, there, there, I mean we could spend. Well, no, I, I would like to talk about that just a little bit okay. more. I was at the uh, Reality Capture Network conference about two weeks ago in Boise, <coughs> and there were 200, I don't know, plus or minus 200 reality capture experts from all over the world there doing numerous presentations over the course of three days. And I left there, my head was spinning. You know, I'm just a surveyor, and I happen to be able oh, to Oh, you're be much there. more than that. To You're a Saluki. On. Don't forget it. Ooh. Saluki. Yes. Uh, go dogs. Uh, the only Egyptian hunting dog that doesn't lick its nuts, by the way. <laughs> Just <laughs> FYI. Oh, oh my Mark, God. Mark, I didn't know you were Egyptian. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Um. I, I just want to, for the audience, let everyone know I'm not a him, they, or her. I am a hermaphrodite. So when you tell me to go fuck myself, I can, and I'm going to enjoy it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So, anyways. A word from our sponsors. <laughs> Are you going to cut oh that bit out? Oh, my God. Uh, not, well, not all of it. Not all of it, but if you talk about it, then I kind of have to. Oh. But anyways, I left there. With like my head was spinning. It's like there is so much going on in this arena that we're discussing, that like I I, I left there feeling like I am so far behind. Like I feel like I stay up with technology and stuff. You're like not that. though. You're engaged. I, I, engaged, yes. And now I'm even more engaged after spending those three days with those folks because genius is there, and the stuff that's going on is so mind-boggling. You know, of course, digital twins were talked about, mm-hmm. and um, just so much more. So, it's unbelievable what's going on. I mean, I, I am a huge uh, proponent of it, and I am so entrenched with it right now, which is really why I'm glad we're having this so conversation. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. I can't tell you where or what it was, but I can tell you that it was a very contentious in a very political area. It was a steel structure. So these guys flew out from Denver for me to demo a piece of equipment that we're about to purchase. They walked the site. They flew the site. The module actually controlled the drone, so we didn't do anything. And the drone followed its own LiDAR point cloud. We told it how many points per square meter we needed, and it kept flying until it got it. And within 30 minutes of putting the walking scan and the flying scan together, we immediately knew that it wasn't control. It was control in a specific section, and it was designed in another section, but the installer was not the issue. And I was freaking blown away by mm-hmm. that. Yep. So where when it talks about digital twins, we can I use video. I'm not using I'm buying one of these things. Are you, are you talking about the Navis thing? No, Navis, actually it's a little, the wearable 3D scanner. It's not the Navis 3D scanner. It's uh, by Ep- Emerson and it's okay. lidar scanning and it and the beauty of the scanner when you talk about technology that just blew my mind, the puck 
controls the drone. Mm. So on the demo, they showed a mining application because actually it was very fortuitous. I had a, a gentleman called Alex in from Chile mm -hmm. that's doing mining. So you never know, we might be extreme aerial Chile pretty soon. Um, but this drone was controlled by the puck that flew into non-GPS-9 environments. They selected a point in the middle of the mountain that is nothing but dense granite and they told it how many points per square million they needed to get the survey done. So it flies around aimlessly, realizes a particular pocket that it isn't getting the thing, so it starts scanning it, and then it goes in 26 feet and finds a 130-foot run of gold that even the geo guys didn't know, and flies itself backwards and comes and, and lands itself. Yeah, And it's all from... Because I'm like, hey, I'm a drone pilot. I don't give a shit if it's a GPS denied environment. The drone's just not going to fly. And I have to manual fly it like, oh, no, you don't get it. We're controlling it because we're looking at the LiDAR point cloud live time, navigating around shit and getting you the data that you told it to get. I was like, I'm sold. And then they came out and did a demo. We've helped a particular contractor. And uh, everything's hunky-dory now. Interesting, interesting. So, Kip, the, yeah. the cool part about that is, are you comfortable? This is back to, or maybe it feels like about an hour ago, when you said success, mm. are you comfortable with your own irrelevance? <laughs> think about that. Mm. I, no, I think that's a great <laughs> that's point. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and are you, let me repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. Are um, you comfortable with your own irrelevance? Because the minute you are, you are successful. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. Well, I don't it, agree with uh, that because uh, when I walk home, my wife looks at me like right I'm irrelevant. Yes. So how am I successful yeah. in my marriage if she thinks I'm irrelevant? <laughs> Uh, if you have to ask, then you <laughs> kind of already know the answer. <laughs> From the 2.2 GPA. <laughs> that does poop shoots for a living. Yes. Thanks, Sean. Oh, sorry. 2.1. 2.1. Yeah. You're awesome. Uh, it was an hour ago, and I think that is an also, also a great point. Yeah. Great yeah. point. Great point. Um, hmm. What else? What are you going to talk about? Uh, well, one fact that I do want to bring up, just, just as a point, uh, the... Novel Ready Player One, yeah, 2011. Oh. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, think think about how movie, hot. Though. Think about it how just ahead of the movie. time that oh was. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like it's like ET yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, the movie was 2018. The novel was that it was based on was 2011. Wow, crazy. And what? and and that is like what that is talking about. We're here. We're not even anywhere near there. And everything we talk about is like, oh yeah. I mean, that's not the first time it's come up. It's oh yeah. It's just like. In that movie, and yeah. now it's starting to become a thing. Yeah, I'm not really happy about all the other dystopian <laughs> stuff that you know. The, of course, the freaking, yeah, yeah. You know, well, living I, conditions. I but. can tell you this: when I worked for Stantec, we had these people come in. This is probably like six, seven years ago, and they were um, promoting basically an exoskeleton, like right? literally an exoskeleton. Where like if you worked in the mines and stuff like that, you strapped on this exoskeleton, and like it gave you like superhuman strength, and you know. All the stuff that you imagine, it that shit is out there. It is happening, and if we don't adapt to it, we are going to be so left behind. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. And I, I look at this like digital twin thing the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, to be able to Being fly, engaged is the most important thing. To be able to fly, drive, and walk and get existing conditions, like an almost existing condition as built, right? Yeah. And then make decisions from it. Um, in fact, the contractor we were with was, um, you're going to fix our problem that's taken three weeks and, what, nine minutes? 
uh-huh hmm. are you gonna pay me for three weeks worth of work or nine minutes worth of work and the, and they're like well you've only been here nine minutes ago stop thinking of tnm focus on the quality of the data i deliver you not the time that i took to get it and why are you paying all these other firms rush fees and urgent mobilization fees that are astronomical our survey will cost less than that yeah and you're getting the data and you can point the finger right now yeah the, the one thing i want to go back to because i'm still a little confused about it um using the term nft with like um design documents and things like that yes how does that like when what i my my understanding of an nft was like you know like this piece of digital art like you can buy this nft right how help, help me understand how nft um works with design documents what what, what do you mean by that when you say that well, well, can I, can I, can go I, ahead. You're, you're, uh, but I want to ask one question. If you review and put your stamp on a design document, yeah. would you consider it a piece of digital art? Um, sure. I think the answer there might you be go. yes. That's your answer. I think the answer might go. be yes. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So it's just, Kent, it's exactly, it's just that, is that. That is a non-fungible token, meaning it's proprietary, it has value, yep. and pay for it. But it's recordable. Again, it, it's only as good as what it is on the blockchain. Yep. So that digital, tra that digital um, transaction, recordation, is the whole key to it. The encryption. And, and, and see, like, what we, what we went down was this, think about this. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've had, like, a little bit of a head cold, so I'm a little stuffy. Is COVID. No, it wasn't COVID. Um, Dork. Think about... <laughs> okay, let... It says drone geek on my shirt. Again, without mentioning names or with mentioning names, think about the poor staff at, like, the city of Phoenix or whatever, all these municipalities where they have plan reviewers and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Our mm -hmm. dream was that... Think about, like, you and I are a developer. You're an engineer. You're an arc, you're a engineer. We're submitting plans, and think if it was all digital and we could just get that approved through the blockchain technology. Each one of those things is an NFT. Okay. Right. Now, if the city of Phoenix owned it or if that developer owned it, hmm. who cares, right? It, at least someone's got value to it. Mm -hmm. But at least it's it's record. It, it has a digital record of it. So then everyone can then now work on it. That's the beauty of the whole thing with blockchain and NFTs. It's just it's just the recordation of it and the closure of you can't change this stuff. So, uh, double-edged sword. If you are not a good engineer, not saying that I am not, but if you are not a good engineer. You're an exceptional and, engineer. Plus you're gorgeous. You put, you know, yep. review, a, review a drawing, put your stamp on it, submit it. Well, it was wrong. Okay, I need to submit it again. Okay, it was still wrong. Okay, and then eventually, like, some of us take advantage of the lack of that, that formalization, I guess, mm. is that, you know, there are plan sets out there with revisions and stamps that aren't necessarily as formalized as an NFT. And when it, when it's an NFT on blockchain, it is, everyone has access to it. Everyone knows there's sometimes full, full disclosure. I'll stamp something, send it to my client. They'll look at it, maybe send it to somebody else. And they're like, Hey, did you really mean to do that? Yeah, but, and but it'll come back and no, like, oh, no, no, never mind. Don't send that to anybody else. No, no, no. Here's the real version, and then that's what is distributed. You're, you're and no, you're absolutely right, Sean, but then here's the beauty of it. The RFI and the ASI or SK 
for all of you acronym geeks out there, that correct that, that is recordable too. Yeah, I just don't want all the recorded history of my screw up is what I'm worried about. <laughs> but would you, would, but would you rather do that or go into an E&O claim? I, I, oh, wow. Well, that's whoa. something totally different. That's but interesting. The, hey, <laughs> this may, seriously, though, Sean. Yes. No. Uh, I, in Look some at, cases, you may rather go if into you've the done, E&O claim. If you've done the proper documentation, if you've, done the prop, if you've done the proper recordation and you've done the proper work, then it protects you just as much as, or would you rather keep paying exorbitant fees? My whole thing is that, listen, I think, I think this takes out, and some people are going to get really pissed off about this statement is the exorbitant fees that we all pay for premiums on insurance that we shouldn't have to pay. Right. Like everyone around this table has yep. E&O or PL insurance for those exact same things. And think about it. If you could do this in that form, it eliminates a lot of that. And you're taking the risk. Again, are you managing risk or are you going to be risk averse? This to me manages risk and you're putting it out there but you've provided, you're now providing a digital correction methodology that is sustainable versus making all these claims. And the only one that gets rich on that is all the attorneys and the insurance companies. Yeah, but they're just it's like full disclosure. Bingo. It's full Monte is what it is. You know, yeah. you know, the perfect answer to the solution, Sean, is whilst you are not infallible, we all make mistakes. Bingo. Just don't fuck up. Do it right the first time. What's the saying? Measure twice, cut once. But okay, even, but okay. Even, okay, but Mark, even if you are, mm-hmm. this gives you a clear, succinct path, path yes. to make the correction mm-hmm. without going into litigation. Exactly. You so avoid it all. why not just do that? Mm-hmm. It's not a discredit to you, Sean. It's, oh, I, I found an error. Jesus Christ, I'm managing 46,000 poop shoots on this subdivision. You know, you're allowed to fuck up on one. No comment. <laughs> so Sean yes sir. did my answer scare you or give you oh. closure scared scared shitless really no pun intended I <laughs> love that I answer I, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that no I, I think it's great see I, th- I think it just gives so much clarity to yeah. that there's no subjective nature now anymore it's objective there's no finger pointing thank you yeah yeah which takes up all the time the digi- and bends the digital all the record shows that, Sean, if you screwed up, you made a correction. What's wrong with that? Versus right now, the world we live in, it's blah, 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 Got to wait for the field and my guy's out and he's got COVID. And, it's oh, emails and, oh. and threats and, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna make a claim against your E&O. And, oh, blah, blah, you know, it's like, no, let's accept and acknowledge your successes, Sean. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good one. Oh, good one. Oh, yeah. Way to circle yeah. back, Kent. Dofy yeah. Dilf yeah. has spoken. Deep. Uh, uh, speaking deep. of yeah. circle back, uh, there is one thing that we need to wrap up with, and one question that we ask every single guest: Do you have a mantra that you live by? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always good when they that get that great. reaction. Take no prisoners. <laughs> Everyone knows the golden rule, right? Yes. Yep. Want me to open it? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, is it the is it the normal one? Well, let, let's say it and then let's qualify it. So the golden rule. Mark, do you know the golden rule? I do not, my friend. Wait. How about you, Kent? Wait. Treat others how you want to be treated. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. That's not. So the what was rule. the pl- what's the pl- if the if that's the golden rule, what's the platinum rule? I don't know. Kind of go one step above that, like take the higher road. So that mm. 
that true. Oh, wait, I think I know where you're going with this. So it's like, okay, instead of just treating others the way you want to be treated, treat them better. Yeah. And I catch myself, I've really caught myself, mm. like I've told everyone, and I'll be very humble and honest on this podcast, is that this year has been the best year of my life and also the worst year. So Interesting how that happens. Yeah. Because look at we yang have been we have been blessed, have we not, with the construction industry this year. But it's also been the most challenging for me because of the um, challenges with supply chain, inflation, mm. all those kind of things that really, let's be honest, you know, unless we want to go into full blown litigation, uh, you know, I think of every day that I talk to our clients, and all we are is trying to find solutions. We don't want to fight; it's not worth it. But yet we respect and empathize with their position of they don't have unlimited capital, neither do we, right? So in the in the platinum rule is instead of just treating them like the way that we want to treat treat them better. And I think that that when I go into every argument and every potential problem by having that adage and that attitude, I come out feeling like wow, I've had that. Mm. Um, what was the wor- two words I used before? The um, compassionate connection. Mm-hmm. That if I give that, I sleep at night and I go, you know what? If they screw me, that was their destiny and that that's their prerogative. But I sleep at night knowing that I gave my best effort and that I gave them a little bit more than what the, they would have expected from me. I, I, I sleep comfortably at night. Karma, and, and karma's a bitch. And, and I, karma's I, I have bitch. to say that uh, when we were at that school project together, the first time that I met you, you, you may or may not remember this, but um, JJ walks the walk and talks the talk. And I'll give you a very good example. Here I am. I'm a drone dude. He's courteous. He asks me what my price is. He doesn't nickel and dime me. I tell him. He sets his, JJ, you set your expectation. I did. And then the That's guy. That's rare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck up is pretty much the message. Um, but what was interesting was there was a guy backing up a flatbed with porta potties on it. Almost killed him. He walks up to the guy and says, hey, I was standing behind there. Make sure you put him over here. You know where your placement is, and here's your here's your superintendent. And he was as polite and as courteous as he was to me for a guy that almost backed a, a flatbed into the back of him. So for those of you who, obviously, for people listening to this, they don't know who JJ is, but JJ is definitely someone to follow on LinkedIn and, and look at Blue Wave, and and I'm sure you're open to people connecting that um, absolutely may, may need your help, but... Um, there, there's no bullshit here. It, it is what it is. And great segue. How do, how do, how do folks find you, JJ? Best thing is uh, I'm a LinkedIn junkie, um, JJ Levinsky, um, or Blue Wave, B-L-E-U-W-A-V-E. And then um, much like I now feel uplifted by you guys and your podcast, you know, let, let's share in the wealth with our, our fellow podcasts. Absolutely. The Mac and Blue uh, podcast we we just will eventually now we have to have you guys on because this is an awesome platform that you guys are doing i want to promote you but your message what you guys stand for um that's another thing so mac and blue and and blue wave and yeah we we really want to advocate and promote the betterment of of the entire aec space in our in our community and our especially the valley of of arizona and phoenix so thank you guys yeah yeah that's great thank you Absolutely. very much Anything else? Final words, Sean. What you got? Anything? Man, I've talked too much on this one. <laughs> All good stuff, but that never happens. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. How about you, big guy? 
Not much. Just keep droning on. Good to see you, man. Hey, yeah, thanks. I got been one. a bit. Yeah, well, yeah. I think Sean's gonna take the Saints. <laughs> he feels uh, I, uh, compelled may, uh, to it. Maybe putting a couple nickels on the Saints. Oh, Go Browns. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that was fantastic. Thanks again, JJ, for being here. It was Thanks, great. JJ. Absolutely loved it. Another perfect example of adding value and making friends. Uh, tons of fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show or have any ideas for topics, give us a shout at info at the geoholics.com. Yes, don't go. Available everywhere. Sean's new favorite song. Absolutely. Upstairs at Eric's. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, JJ's my new best friend. Until next time, everybody. Go Salukis. <laughs> now I want to make love to him. Treat others oh, better than you want to be no treated. Video. The platinum the rule. Platinum. I, Beautiful. Be safe and healthy, everybody. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Topodot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.